Hey, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed that worship experience. Listen, we're having uh, live worship at all of our locations, and we're having worship also online. I hope it was special for you. I know it was for me. God bless you. We're going to transition now into a time in the Word. We come from worship, and we're going into the Word. But before we do, I just want to highlight uh, for some of you, if depending on the time that you're listening to this or experiencing this, there's a water baptism that's taking place on Sunday evening. I hope you guys can make plans to be there. Today, as I speak this message in person, I'm going to be talking to you about baptism so that you can be prepared to participate in one of the ordinances of the Christian experience. And so we're in a series. This series is entitled Encounters with Jesus. We started this series a little before Easter and we've determined to go until today. So today's the final installment. Now Encounters with Jesus is um, a series of conversations that individuals had with Christ. And when these conversations took place, when these um, encounters took place, their lives were changed forever. They were never the same again. You know, you can have sometimes uh, meaningless conversations with people, and, and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. But sometimes you can have these powerful moments, these powerful encounters with someone, and your life uh, moves into a different trajectory for the better. That's what this series is dedicated to, and in each week uh, over this series, we have highlighted different conversations that people have had. Today, we're going to highlight a conversation between Jesus and John the Baptist. Turn to your neighbors, say, come on, Jesus and John, here we go, all right? So I hope you get blessed by it as we go forward. Listen, I just want to uh, start kind of with a question, and uh, I don't know if you've been here before, but have you ever asked, excuse me, has anybody ever asked you, have they come to you and they've asked you to uh, do something or uh, uh, participate in something or take leadership in something, and you felt like you were unqualified to do it. Has anybody ever had that experience? Like you were asked to step up and, and step into this situation and lead in this uh, scenario and speak to this person about something or do something, and you just didn't feel like you're the right person for that. You know, I'm not the right guy for that. Well, I remember you know, being on both sides of this situation. One where I felt qualified and I realized I wasn't, and another time when I definitely wasn't qualified and I was asked to do it just the same. I remember when I was a young man, very young, I probably was about 13 years old, my parents uh, were going out on a date as a, as a couple and they were contemplating whether we needed a babysitter anymore. I had a sister, um, just two of us, and uh, she was about three years younger than me. So my parents were apparently in the back room and uh, I've heard this, you know, uh, story retold. They were in the back room and they were kind of struggling with a leadership decision because they're going to leave the two kids alone. That wasn't so much the problem. The problem was who were they going to leave in charge? Well, you might be thinking, well, clearly, I know I was thinking this, I'm the oldest. Why wouldn't I be left in charge? And the reason is, though I was the oldest, I wasn't necessarily the most responsible. I know you have a hard time believing that as your pastor. You know, you're thinking, what, Mr. Responsibility? Not so much back in the day, I promise you this. And I can remember my dad coming to me and said, okay, son, mom and I are getting ready to go out. <laughs> and he's like, him and Han, I feel like he had like sweat coming, he's like, <sighs> he's like, you know, looks at my mom, he's like, are we going to do this? And she's like, ah, I guess so. Okay, 
Derek, we are going to leave you in charge. And I'm like, yeah! You know, I was so excited because I just thought, this is great. I'm going to be able to tell my sister what to do and where to go. And she's going to have to live with it. You know, and I'm looking at her like, just get ready. And he, he releases this authority to me. But then he could see it by my reaction, by my nonverbal cues to my sister, there's going to be a problem. So he, he pulls me aside and he says, son, I need to give you a little life lesson. I never forgot as long as I live. I said, yes, sir. He said, I, I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention. And he pulls out a coin. I think it was a quarter. And he says, this, this, this is a life lesson. There's two sides to every coin. Did you hear me? I said, yes, sir. He said, on one side of the coin is authority, is authority. And this is where people get to be in charge. Son, large and in charge. You like that, don't you? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like that. Absolutely. He says, but son, a coin. There's two sides to every coin. It says, the other side of this coin, he said, is responsibility. I said, he said, do you understand that? I said, yes, sir. He said, so what happens is, if something goes wrong tonight, I want you to know something, son. I'm coming for you because you're responsible. I was like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. My sister's over in the corner like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be responsible. So anyway, I got a little bit older and I became a more responsible person apparently. And I can remember later in life, my dad coming to me and he was in a difficult situation. Apparently uh, at the time when we were in ministry, one of our staff members he actually had to fire. This is many years ago. We had a worship leader who was full-time. He was super talented, very, very gifted. And there were some problems, and he had to let this guy go. And so he pulled me into my office, and he said, Son, I prayed about some things, and uh, I really uh, I got a big ask for you. I need you. I need you to be the worship leader for our church. I was like, Yo, Dad, I don't know if you, you know, you're paying attention, but like, I'm not a worship leader. Uh, at, at that time, I, I never sung in public. Oh, well, one time I sang at my sister's wedding, one time. And he says, and I think that's where he got that idea. He heard me sing. He was like, oh, this guy, the boy's got some, well, he's got some skills. And so he, he, he basically says, son, I'm going to need you to be the worship. I'm like, dad, I, I can, I've only sang in public once. I don't know anything. I can play. He goes, yeah, but you can play guitar. You can play guitar. I said, dad, I know like four chords on the guitar. I would not call that. I can play the guitar. And so he says, you know what, son? I need somebody that I can trust who is responsible. And I said, okay, Dad, I'll pray about it, and I'll get back to you. He said, son, I've already prayed about it. You're going to be the worship leader. I said, okay. So in spite of the fact that I didn't feel qualified, my daddy, and let's just say for, for the story, he prayed about it, and God told him, but Derek's responsible. And so we'll see in a few minutes that is what happened in the story that we're getting ready to look at. John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, he came before Jesus. He was put in an unusual place, an unusual position where he was asked to do something that he didn't feel qualified for. He, he didn't feel like he, he was the right guy for the job, but he was responsible. And he was given a mighty task, a monster task. He was asked by God, the Son, the Son of God, to baptize the Son of God. He was asked to baptize God. I mean, that's crazy. Imagine this. So we're going to look at a text from Matthew chapter 3. We're also going to highlight the same story, different facets of the story in John chapter 1. But let's look at Matthew 3 
And I, I want some of the words in here to pop for you as we go through this, because we're going to be talking about water baptism today because of what's happening um, in our church. Now, it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. And he said, listen, Jesus, my paraphrase, I need you. you. You want me to baptize you, but I need you to baptize me. And so Jesus replies and he says, let it be so now. Basically, he's, there's, a, there's an immediacy to what Jesus was requesting. I need to be baptized now. And then he says, it's proper for us to do this. He, so I think he's looking around at all the audience, all the people along the water, along the shore, in the shallows, in the audience. And he says it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Well, then it says John consented. He obeyed. He, he said yes in spite of feeling disqualified. And he baptized Jesus. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up. Everybody say up. Come on, all the locations say up, up, everybody. And then he comes up out of the water. And at that moment, the heavens open, and he saw, the, John saw, the Spirit of God descend like a dove. So Jesus went up, and the Spirit came down, and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven. This is a powerful, powerful moment between Jesus and John. This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, this story is incredible, and before we talk about what it means to be baptized and all the questions that come with baptism why was Jesus baptized okay well look it says this in the in that in that text it says let it be so now there's just a there's an immediacy to this whole thing he says it's proper for us and I believe that's you and me this story applies to you and me it's proper for us to do this to do what to be baptized it is proper, it is necessary, it is essential. It is what we consider one of the sacraments, an ordinance of Christianity. It's not just communion like we talked about last week, it's also baptism. It's, it's, it's critical that we get baptized to fulfill, the Bible says, all righteousness. So, John knew, by the way, um, John kind of pushed back, you know, on Jesus at first. He's like, I can't baptize you, you should baptize me. Because, see, John recognized something. The reason he did that is not because he's just a punk. No, he's not a punk. He, he realized that Jesus didn't fit the requirements of his baptism. What was John's baptism? Well, there were different types of baptism. I'm not going to unpack them all. But, but one at this time was a a baptism of repentance. It was getting the people of God, the, the chosen people of God, to come back to God. And so for that to be necessary, you had to be sinful, but Jesus was sinless. Jesus had no sin within him. So John is basically saying, why does he need to be baptized? If anybody does, I need to be to fulfill our righteousness. But, so what's this all about? Here's what's going on. The people at the time were all waiting for a Messiah to be righteousness and to bring righteousness to the world. And so for that to be a reality, the person who, who, who would bring it, who would be it, had to identify with sinners. He didn't have to be a sinner, but he had to identify with them so, and so that we could later also identify with him. And it was therefore the will of God for him to be baptized by John to have that identification. Actually, baptism really kind of means to be identified. And, 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 he, and so he did this for us. In other words, later Jesus, in a sense, 
could say to us, I would never ask you to do something that I didn't do myself. And so he led from the front for all of us so that all of us would know and understand its importance later. In addition to the significance of this moment, it was followed by an authentication from heaven, an authentication from heaven. And, and what do you mean? Well, as I said before, and the scripture revealed, as Jesus comes up out of the water, the Spirit of God comes down. Similarly, not exactly the same, but that would happen and will happen for us as we are baptized down into a watery grave, and as we come up out of the water, the Spirit comes down upon us. This has some symbolism that is critical and theological in nature. At that time for Jesus, he's coming up out of the water to fulfill our righteousness and the Holy Spirit has come upon him. And this is when Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, to continue to do the work as God in human form. So baptism in water is when we come up and we receive new life. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit falls upon us. There's water and then there's fire. And so the other part of this thing is that's more relatable to you and me and more pertains to you and me and also to Jesus is, is in this authentication. This authentication means authentication is the process of proving something to be true, to be genuine, to be valid. So authentication in this scripture is revealed when God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my son whom I love and am well pleased. What do we see in those phrases? We see, and you can write this in your notes, we see affirmation, uh, this is my son. We see um, um, identity there. It's really like, I want, uh, I want everybody, to, I, I am, it's, it's, who I, it's who I'm connected to, who's who, so to speak. And, and then we see affection, whom I love. Everybody needs, um, everybody needs affirmation and identity, and everybody needs affection. And then he says, in whom I'm well pleased. This is acceptance. This is, or you could say, approval. All right? So this is the authentication from heaven because Jesus was baptized. He was saying, this is how I feel about my son who comes up out of the water after he'd been baptized. And I want to say, it's similar for you, and something similar can happen to you. It, another little add, just a little parenthetical, is there's only two times Jesus, uh, God the Father, excuse me, speaks to Jesus in the Bible. And one is here in this story, in these texts. And then there's another moment in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and, and God speaks from, he interrupts, by the way, loudmouth Peter. But God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So he not only gives us uh, uh, affirmation, affection, and uh, approval, he gives us Ultimately, at some point in time, he gives us, and I believe by the Holy Spirit, he gives us authority. The blood of Jesus and the, and, the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit give us authority in this crazy nuts world in which we live. Another story, another time. Okay, so now additionally, what's cool about this authentication from heaven is, get this, the whole family was there. 
What do you mean, Pastor D? Well, God the Father was there. God the Son was getting baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove in the form of a dove. The whole family's there. This is how a baptism should be, by the way. Your family should be there to support you. This should be a time of celebration, of affirmation, of affection, you know, of approval. This is what a baptism is like. And it's being modeled for us to fulfill all righteousness. Can I have an amen out there? And so this moment, verified what the Holy Spirit really had told John in keeping with Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah 11:2 said that the Spirit would come and rest upon him. Upon who? Upon the Messiah. And so John knew this prophecy. And in this moment, this incredible exchange, it's happening right before his eyes. Now, another story verifies this. Uh, it's the same story, different uh, book of the Bible. John, John chapter 1, verse 29. Look at it. It says this. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You never hear that before, and Jesus is referred to as a lamb. He's the once and for all sacrifice for humanity, giving us um, the, uh, the ability to get out of an old covenant, an old way of doing things into a new covenant, a new deal, because now no more sacrifices have to be made for sin. And he says, this is he whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. He's talking about the, um, the, um, omni, the, uh, the, he, the existence, God's uh, ever existence um, as God. Didn't make any, I hope you guys track with that. He's been there from the beginning, I guess, all the way back into Genesis. And in the beginning was God, you know, let us make man in our image. So God was there before he even made man. But then he comes in the form of the man, John chapter 1, he becomes flesh and dwells among us. There you go, Pastor. You got it. All right. And it says this, and I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness. This is what he saw. And it validated and confirmed what the prophecy in Isaiah said. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come. He would descend and ascend. Now he's come and he's descended and he remains upon the Son of God. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Jesus said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit excuse me, the Holy Spirit, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's another baptism, which we'll talk about in the future. And I have seen and testified that this is, in fact, the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit empowers the Son of God, and he remains. God wants to baptize us with water. I believe Jesus wants to baptize us, according to Scripture, with fire. So one is a coming up, and one is a coming down. Now, there are different reasons as Jesus is speaking to those people. This is for us, proper for us to do this. They're watching, in a sense, from the shallows and from the shore and from the sidelines, this experience transpire. Why do people do that? Why do people today not get baptized? Why do they stay kind of just like okay with just the heaven package, but they're not okay with following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? Here's kind of three simple reasons, and there are more to it than this. Um, different reasons people stay in the shallows. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, doctrinal confusion. 
or some kind of doctrinal controversies. You might have been raised with a certain view, a sacramental view, a covenantal view, a symbolic view. You might have got sidelined with um, how you're baptized. Are you baptized in the name of Jesus? Are you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? And if you don't do it this way, and if you do it that way, then it's not okay. So people, people get all sidelined with that kind of stuff. That's not as common as this next one. The next one is more shame. Some people stay in the shallows because of shame. And, and we're just, we're not willing, to, we're more concerned with the praises of men than the praises of God. The, we, don't, we don't want, we don't value the authentication from heaven more than we value the authentication of the world. And the Bible tells us that if you will, Jesus said, if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father in heaven. That's a big deal. So some people stay in the shallows because of doctrine, some because of shame, some because of fear, third reason, fear or the flesh. In other words, I don't want to get baptized because I'm afraid I'm going to drown. It's too deep in that pool. Okay, whatever. It's not too deep, but it's too cold. Okay, um, you know, I don't want to get my hair wet. My mascara might run. Listen, I've heard these. I've been in ministry 28 years, and I've literally heard these. I don't want to be seen in a bathing suit. Okay, well, nobody wants to see you in a bathing suit either, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I would just ask you to pray through that. Okay, Jesus got on a cross for you, and he laid naked and bare before all humanity, putting the sins of the world upon him. <coughs> Excuse me. And you can't get in a tub that is probably temperature controlled in front of friends and be baptized. I think we need to wrestle that to the mat. So today's message is really kind of the three groups of people, three people that I want to talk to. The first one is um, some of you have never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You've never made that, I call it a faith reception. And so this is for you. The second group of people that I want to talk to is you've made that faith reception. You've received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But in some respects, you've really not surrendered to him as Lord by following in Jesus' footsteps and being baptized. Now, the third group, there's some of you who just frankly, you did all those things. You need a refresher on the significance, not just the symbolism of water baptism. So let's go through some of the questions people have. Some of these things are to just make you better informed, give you greater conviction. Some of them uh, answered will help you overcome some of the obstacles you have to taking that next step. So here's some frequently asked questions, okay? The first one is the sacred question. The sacred question. What does the sacrament of baptism mean? In the Latin, um, the word is sacramentum. It basically means a soldier's oath of enlistment, a soldier's oath of enlistment. It's a soldier's oath of enlistment and obedience is really what that sacramental um, term means. Now, Jesus said it's proper for us to do this so that righteousness can be fulfilled. Remember how he said that? So it's proper for us as soldiers of Christ to follow in his footsteps. And God is in essence saying immediately be baptized. So I believe baptism is clearly something, and we can make cases for this with multiple texts, where we should be, after we believe, we should be baptized immediately. In many, many instances in the Bible, we see this. I'll give you one, Acts 2.41, it says, those who accepted the message, the gospel, 
accepted it. They made the faith reception. They received Jesus by grace through faith. They're saved now. They were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So 3,000 people, this is how it was in the New Testament. If 3,000 people got saved in church, 3,000 got baptized the same day. You don't see that today. That's a problem that we have today in the modern church. We have people who give their lives to Jesus online. You might have 12 people give their lives to Jesus online. Five people give their lives to Jesus in physical uh, services. And then months, weeks, years go by sometimes, and sometimes people never get baptized. Listen, I'm just telling you, that this, is a, this is a sacrament. This is a soldier's oath of enlistment and obedience. Baptism is also a test of obedience. And so to delay is sending a message, and, 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 and sometimes we're, we're missing that. In the early days of the church, the believers would be, um, in the New Testament, they'd be baptized, let's say, at a river, like the River Jordan, for example. And it was, it was meant to be done there because it was, and it was significant to be done there because it was a place of, of commerce and activity. And so there would always be lots and lots of people. And so when somebody would get baptized, it was a very public it was done immediately, and it was, it was a test because it was public in front of other people who didn't believe like you. In fact, some people would come and make fun of you, and they would ridicule you, and you'd have to suffer maybe a little bit of a, a shame for being associated as a, cross, a Christ follower. And it's interesting uh, how the early church did it uh, and, and how common that was. It used to be, in a sense, a requirement to be a public commitment. And I don't think we really know anything about this or we don't know it at the same level in the church of Jesus Christ today. And maybe that's why sometimes people fall away from the faith so quickly and they, their faith is not sticky. It doesn't hold because they didn't, they didn't have to do it out there because they only had the people, let's say, in here that people out there they didn't know because of the and, and because they didn't do it out there with people they didn't know they did it where they were comfortable with the people they did know and as a result I think many cases we have an emaciated people instead of an emancipated people because we didn't go public with our faith in Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism. Can I have an amen? So personally, I believe if this is a decision that you are making, you know, if I, if I was uh, doing it all over again, I would have wrote letters to all of my friends who didn't know Jesus, all my family members who don't know Jesus, and I would tell them of the recent uh, transformation of my life through Jesus Christ. I would invite them to come and, and witness my baptism and my life transformation. What kind of difference could that make in a person's life if we did it immediately and we passed the test of doing it uh, publicly? I think public brings power to your walk in Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it was never meant to be private. And so this cultural lie, of personal and private has infiltrated the modern Christian thinking, and I think it's, it's, it's produced uh, shame and guilt and convictionless living and, and for those people who follow that kind of a paradigm. I pray in Jesus' name that goes away, and that's not a part of who we are in Christ Jesus going forward. Public baptisms give power to your walk. Public baptisms declares your loyalties. It declares your loyalties. When you are publicly baptized, it says to whom you belong. It's basically saying, I am fully 
enlisted in the kingdom of God. And some people have not done that, and I would suggest, submit, maybe you're not fully enlisted. So that's the first question, a big one. The second question is the baby question, okay? Should babies, uh, should infants be baptized? And, or should we baptize those who are mature enough to make the decision? That's kind of the contrast. And it's a fair question. And I, I think there are smart people on both sides of this fence. I know there are some bright, intelligent people who promote and, and, and practice uh, infant baptism. And I happen to think there are some bright, intelligent people who don't practice infant baptism as well. What we would say is um, don't do what culture does uh, first with regards to this. Don't, because a lot of these things are not... I'll get to that. They're, they're cultural. A lot of people are doing this and practicing because of tradition. What we say is not what Pastor Derek says. We, what we say is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this? What does the B-I-B-L-E say? Come on, somebody. And, and so I'll just tell you this. We baptize people who are old enough to make a faith decision because we don't see anywhere in the Bible where infants were baptized. It's just not there. Cover to cover, you're not going to find it there. In fact, I witnessed uh, a pastor uh, baptizing a baby one time, and, and it, was, it was really beautiful, very, this, very, this very sacramental experience. And, and he sang over the baby, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And it was, it was a precious moment. But the, but the Bible doesn't say anything about baptizing babies. It does say things about blessing babies. Okay, so we believe in that. We believe in a baby dedication or really a, a parent dedicating a child is fundamentally what that is because the child doesn't know what's going on or is not cognizant of it. So we're not saying if you were baptized as an infant, your baptism was null and void. We're simply saying, and I'm challenging you to think, uh, have you been baptized as a Christ follower? Have you been baptized in accordance with New Testament um, standards? Number three. Uh, here's the other question. The Clorox question. Clorox, you know, like the bleach question, okay? So what, what do I mean by that? Does, does water baptism cleanse me from my sin? Does water baptism cleanse me from my sin? No, no, no. Some people think I need to get baptized to wash away my sins. And, and, and no... No experience, no uh, work could ever wash you from, wash your sins from you. And there's no religious leader baptizing you uh, that can cleanse you uh, from your sins. Baptism is a symbol of salvation. It is not salvation. In fact, uh, m my wife and I, um, when we were married... Uh, nearly 29 years ago, uh, we put a ring on our finger. This is my this is my wedding ring. I have several of them, depending on on uh, you know what's going on in my life. And I like these because when I'm working out, it's nice. Anyway, how? But for all you people out there that are single, okay? So at all the locations, online, raise your hand if you're single. Come on, somebody, everybody, look around, look around, get a good look. Maybe there's somebody there for you. That's what we're here for. Come on. All right, no. But if you're single out there, here's what I would say. If you're single. Um, if I took my ring off and I put it on a single girl's finger, are we married because I took this ring off and I put it on her finger? No, absolutely not. That doesn't change the covenant and the relationship that I have uh, with my wife. And so when people say, does baptism cleanse me from sin? It's like me saying, I'm now married to this person because I put this ring on their finger. The wedding ring is simply a, a, it's a sign. It's an outward symbol 
of an inward conviction, okay? And it just tells everybody, hey, that's who that guy belongs, that guy belongs to somebody. And when I take it off, I'm still married, okay? But it's a sign, okay? It's a symbol, but it is not actually salvation. Now, number four, the attorney question. We got two more. The attorney question is this. Technically speaking, do you have to be baptized to be a Christ follower? And the answer, again, is no. Technically speaking, you become a Christ follower in accordance with his word by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Read it in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. If it was a requirement, think about the story of the two thieves on the cross, Jesus in the middle, one of them curses God, the other one says, remember me in paradise. If Jesus, if it was a requirement, Jesus would have said, oh, no, we're going to have to get you baptized. You know, it's too late. But no, Jesus didn't say, you got to be baptized to be with me in heaven. He just says, I, I will, I'll remember you. Don't worry about it. This day you'll be with me. So technically speaking, we are saved by grace through faith, a gift of God, period, end of story. Now, if we are able, should we be baptized? If we are physically able, we should be baptized. And when you get baptized, you should go public. You should be basically professing before everyone that um, I am a different person. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, not because of baptism, but because of salvation. And I can't believe how many people who have received what God, the investment that God has made in them, that kind of ditch uh, this first step of obedience, um, and yet we'll trust Christ with our eternity, but we'll ditch this first step of obedience. And so I wonder sometimes if we're really saved, if we're unwilling to do that. And so I think it could produce a spiritual breakthrough for you if you would be willing to take that next step and to go forward. So in summary, uh, we can see already from the scriptures previously read, Jesus was baptized. That's why we should do it. Uh, Jesus commanded it in Matthew chapter 28. Go into all the world, preach the good news, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It brings spiritual favor, approval, affection, affirmation. Uh, we already saw that in Matthew chapter 3. And I would say lastly, because of the Holy Spirit's work in the believer, something happens where the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of you. I believe the Bible says in... Um, in John, it says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you to godly sorrow, which leads to repentance and continuous change. It's a mysterious work of the Holy Spirit that takes place when you take that next step. Um, then number five, I call this the H2O question, the water question. How should I be baptized? You know, do I need to be spritzed, sprinkled, dunk, dip, glazed? Like, what, what, what is required? I've, I've heard that you can do different things here, Pastor D. And the Bible says the word baptism means baptismo. It basically means to, to, to immerse, to submerge, uh, to plunge. Or we would say today to straight up dunk somebody, okay? And so if you do your church history lessons you will see that the tradition is and the scripture supports to be baptized by immersion. People like the great historian 
Brenner for, said for the first 1,300 years, baptism was generally and regularly the immersion of a person underwater. Uh, Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church, it said that people should be baptized by immersion. John Calvin, uh, the father of the Presbyterian Church, uh, he said immersion is how people are baptized. It started getting shady and crazy and different, um, and things like sprinkling and spritzing came into vogue. And the question is why? It was because of convenience. Listen, convenience and comfort are such dangers to our faith and to our discipleship. This convenient thing came in and it kept us from going deeper and, and being dunked. And, and so there was this offshoot of Christianity and it distorted some things that were in the Bible. Let me give you some of those distortions. One of the distortions that came about was this distortion of original guilt. Not original sin, original guilt. There was a group of people. Uh, because, so what happened is people started spritzing and, and, and kind of just uh, instead of dunking, okay? And so this, it was based on these distortions, these doctrine distortions. One was original guilt. And this, this uh, uh, doctrine basically said that, is that, that a child is born, um, uh, not only are they a sinner... Okay, this is sad, but God holds them guilty and accountable for their sins. What do you mean, Pastor Derek? Well, summarily, what I mean is that if the child dies, he'll spend eternity separated from the Lord. Let me just tell you something. That has caused more consternation, angst, and just, I mean, horror for so many parents for so many, many, many years because of this doctrinal distortion. This accountability, the age of accountability, is really only God knows that age. But I can assure you it has nothing to do or does not apply to infants or young children. There's an age when God knows basically when uh, someone can make a mature, cognizant decision uh, that they are a sinner that needs to be saved by grace, where they can thereby of their own volition dedicate their life to become a follower of Jesus Christ an infant and a baby cannot do that. And if a child passes before the time, I'm telling you as your pastor, with total conviction and confidence, they are going to heaven. Yet, with this original guilt distortion being purported, people felt uh, way better if they started baptizing babies. And so they began, listen, to immerse babies initially. And many, so sad, they actually died. There's historical evidence of this. And so whether they had a, a water shortage or some occasional mishaps, and those are horrible, then as a result, sprinkling became the solution. Then another distortion manifested. Here's the second one. This was called baptismal regeneration. Baptismal regeneration, this doctrine basically said that when we baptize these babies, they're saved. They get saved and that they become Christians. And this idea will not be found, it won't hold up, it won't hold any water anywhere in the Bible. And so, you know, like the old show survey says, eh, eh, it's just wrong, okay? Now, number six, my last one, for the sake of time, let me get you this final question for the day, the mechanics question. The mechanics question, how do you get baptized? Well, I want to start kind of high level and trickle down into some of the practical Firstly, if you are preparing to be baptized, you need to know this is something you are doing that you are cognizant. You are making a conscious decision uh, to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's the first and foremost. And then follow in his footsteps in obedience 
to be baptized by immersion. That means you're going to go under the water. You're not going to be spritzed and sprinkled. You're going to be dunked. And that's what baptism is, immersion. It's, it's a dunking. It's a plunging. Romans 6 says something like this. It says, we are buried with Christ in baptism. So you're, you're, when you go down to the water, it's, if you're being, it's a symbol of when Jesus went down into hell. Death, hell, and the grave he overcame and took the keys of it after he died. And because of his, um, because of his, his mission that he had, he rescued uh, uh, the, 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 the humanity. And then he eventually he comes up out of the water symbolizing uh, resurrection. So we have the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus symbolized in the, 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 the baptismal experience. And so we, so we get baptized just like he did, following in his footsteps. And, and we should go down into the water. We should, some of us need to go down a little deeper, you know, to make sure that that old person is dead. We leave that old person behind in those, that, those water, those watery, that watery grave. We leave our old life there. Some of you need to stay down a little longer, maybe wait for some bubbles. I don't know, whatever you need to do. Leave that old life behind. Reminds me of a story. Um, there was a guy, he'd gotten married, and uh, he really wanted to put God first in his life, and so he decided uh, to be baptized, and he was from Arkansas, so they went down to the Arkansas River, and uh, the pastor's getting ready to baptize him, and, he's, and he's, he's getting ready to dunk him. And the minister basically says, you know, uh, I now baptize you. Your sins are being washed away. And as he's going down, the guy yells out, oh, Lord, help the fish. Help the fish. If my sins are being washed away right now, God help the fish. I laughed so hard when I heard that. Uh, all these sins going down river, and he's like, God help the fish, okay? So anyway, the truth is, I like to see people in this mechanics side of things. I think we should explode up out of the water. We should come up out of the water because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that took him out of the grave, that same spirit now dwells in you as a Christ follower. So you should come up out of that grave with a little bit of spring in your step. Amen? <clears throat> now, when you got saved, again, that spirit is now in you, working in you. Baptism is the symbol of this. And I would just say, like, you need to go all in, everybody. Have you been baptized yet? I don't know who you are, where you are, or what your situation is. Call our office. Uh, we have a baptism, like, that's Sunday night. Go to that. But if you can't, we'll find a way to get you baptized. We'll get you. If you're in another part of the world, we'll figure out a way to get you baptized. I know some people in um, one community, um, when the, when they're, the, the, it was actually uh, part of our military division. They were getting baptized over in the Middle East, and they didn't know where to go. They didn't have a place to go, so they actually had a coffin. And they filled it with water and they dunked people in the car. I thought that was, that's exactly what it's like. We're going down and we're leaving that old man. He's, we're leaving him dead, that old life. And we're coming up new life in Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, as I conclude, let me just say that um, some of you are a fan of God. Some of you are a fan of God, but God wants you to be a follower of him. You know, I'm a fan of the Celtics. Now, I'm not going to put this on because... I'm afraid it won't fit me anymore, okay? But I'm, how many like Celtics? If you do, kind of give, give a hoorah wherever you are in the locations or if you're, if you're, now, I'm a big fan of Kevin Garnett. Come on, somebody. You, you remember KG? Like, he kept playing even after the shot, uh, even after the shot, uh, the shot clock was over or even if it was a timeout, somebody take a shot and he'd get up there and smack it out. I just love that about KG. But anyway, uh, some of you um, have no problem 
wearing the jersey for your favorite sport. A lot of Christians, um, you know, it's, it's like that. It's like we're, we're a fan, but we're not really a follower. We're not really all in. It's another thing, you know, to be, let's say, a fan of the Celtics. It's quite another to wear the jersey. And it's one thing to say, I love Jesus. He's my Savior. But it's quite another thing to get baptized. It's quite another thing to go to that, that next level. Going public in your faith, <coughs> excuse me, in water baptism, it's like wearing the jersey. You're going to take some hits from other people because you wore the jersey. Some people are going to come after you because uh, you wore the jersey. But you're willing to wear this jersey and receive the, all the benefits and all of the investment because you are a, not just a fan, you are a follower. This is saying that you have an allegiance to someone when you wear that jersey for the Celtics. And baptism is telling everyone in your sphere of influence, who your allegiance is to. So baptism is going to be like that for you maybe tonight if you're ready to be baptized. You may, you may go through some difficulties, but I promise when you go public, you're going to receive a power that you haven't had before. When you go public, it's going to declare your loyalties and to whom you belong. When you go public, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to be doing a mighty work in you that's going to help you and keep you from sin. There's something significant that happened when Jesus met John, and there's going to be something significant when you are baptized in Jesus' name. So I want to pray for you wherever you are. If you're uh, listening online, I just want you to be still. I just want you to kind of just arrest your thoughts for a second. I want to ask you something. Have you made that first step? Have you made that faith reception to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I promise you, it's the best decision you could ever make. I, I think today is the day of salvation for some of you. It's so important. You are not promised tomorrow. You, you want to be on God's team, but you have to choose first to receive what Jesus did for you to be on his team. And if that's you, I want to pray for you right where you are. Would you join me? Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? Would you let this be a, a significant, defining moment in your life? Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I fully surrender. I fully enlist in the family of God. I become a soldier for Jesus Christ. And today I decide, I decide to follow you all the days of my life. I thank you that you paid for my sins. I receive by grace through faith, the gift of God, the gift of salvation. Amen and amen. Now listen, some of you need to take that next step. Some of you who just made that decision, let me tell you something. Some of you already made it. Some of you just made it. I'm telling you, it is proper for you to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. I would encourage you to do that today, to do that as soon, if you are physically able, do that as soon as possible. If you need more information, talk to some people at our different physical locations. If you need more information, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that puts something online to give you and tell you what and how to be baptized with us here at Connect Church. Listen, on behalf of all of our leadership, my wife and I as the pastors of this 
Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening. I want to encourage you, if you just made a decision, text us. Let us know. I just received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You can just tell everybody that's in the room at the, at the city locations where you're meeting. You can tell everybody online uh, that you made that decision by just hitting that little box below. Raise your hand and say, I just made that decision. If that's you, there's people that want to pray for you. You can do that in a chat room. You can do that in person. I want to encourage you to receive prayer before you leave today. There are leaders that are at the front, and they want to minister to you, and they won't lay hands on you. They'll lay hands near you. They'll pray for you, and, and, and they'll do it only by permission. I pray that this ministers to you in a big way. Please text CC Saved to 97000. I just made that decision. And maybe tell somebody you want to be baptized. We're going to send you a book to tell you what's next, but I'm telling you what's next right now. It's get dumped. God bless you. Have a great, great Sunday afternoon.